Hi guys, what's up? Uh, it's, a no- it's your boy Noah. Uh, it's another episode of our Inner Voices. Uh, this is, yeah, the, once again, um, like I explained in probably the first episode you've heard this season, I'm releasing the episodes sporadically. Uh, yeah, I learned a new word today, sporadically. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm releasing episodes like, so I don't know what episode this is. It might be the first, it might be the last, depending on how a mama makes me feel. Oh, whatever. <sighs> But yeah, um, so without further ado, today's guest is a friend of a friend who's like my friend now. Um, her name, uh, I'll let her introduce herself. My name is Amama and I am a lawyer in training. Um, I currently work at a court and yes, Noah is a friend of a friend who has fans being friends. Wow. <laughs> Already. Yeah. Alright, so today's episode is, um, so uh, Omama wasn't happy with my idea of just, um, you know, releasing episodes without a title. No, that's not what makes sense. Yes, so, it does. Yeah, we're releasing episodes without a title, so she insisted I make a title. Um, can you imagine that? But yeah, so today's episode is titled, Is Religion and Culture Holding Society Back? Um... Yeah, so it's religion and, and culture holding society back. Um, so first of all, my definition, the definition of culture I found online was um, the beliefs, customs, arts, and um, other aspects of a particular society or group or place, actually, um, that they subscribe to. Uh, does, this, does this work for you, this definition of culture? Yes. And how, how do you feel it ties in with religion? I feel like... The word beliefs is based on religion. So religion is essentially the fundamental um, foundation for culture. Well, a lot of different cultures. You rarely see cultures that are that have separate, you know, um, beliefs and traditions that don't tie in with a religion. Okay, this is like when you say like you have different cultures and that tie that you know you rarely see a culture that doesn't tie in with some sort of beliefs. Like it's interesting because when I was doing the some of the research online, um, and like I noticed, like you said, most cultures always form a belief system. Yeah. Um. Like so, tell us a bit more. Tell us a bit about yourself and like, uh, not like introduce yourself again, mm-hmm. but tell us a bit about like what culture are you most comfortable subscribing to um i don't subscribe to any culture i've had cultures try to be forced on me and i feel like it's very important as a person for you to sit down and assess what you think is right about culture what you agree with and also what you don't agree with and also unlearn stuff that 
specific cultures have taught you. For example, my mother is Nigerian, she is from River State, um, and she's half Ibo as well. So they are there are specific cultures and customs that are that she has implemented in our household that obviously I've grown up with and also I'm the first daughter. So I'm what they call the Ada and that holds a lot of power in the household. What well, sorry, what is that? Uh, Ada mean? means first daughter. Okay. In um in the Ibo in Ibo. So that holds a lot of power in the household. There's a lot of um responsibility placed in the Ada's hand. So and I'm also the first child. So I'm the first child and I'm the Ada, which means like a lot of responsibilities on my head and that is from culture. So I've had to deal with stuff that I wouldn't necessarily have had to deal with if I was the second child like my sister is or if I was the last born like my baby sister is or um yeah so that is culture but also in a lot of um if you look at a lot of Ibo traditions you'd see that they have like old old older traditions they had their own specific gods like Amadioha and they had different gods and then Christianity came and now a lot of Ibo people are Catholics they're either Catholics or Anglican and they use a lot of their um, religion from Catholic and Anglican as a morality basis of their culture but their old culture still stands for example in some traditions you know when their husband dies you have to shave off your head and put sand on it does it still happen i'm not sure i'm not sure i haven't um like i haven't myself seen seen it but another culture another tradition that's upheld is the ibanku which is um ibo traditional wedding okay yeah that is an old 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 thing that is continued and will be continued and that's something that you know i feel like you can pick and choose like who's to say that you have to follow one specific way and who's to say that that one specific way is right so i feel like you have to question you know your beliefs you have to question your culture because at the end of the day it forms your identity if you're just if you're just if it's being forced upon you then i feel like that's not you so i really think you have to think for yourself but i think that's very important but isn't isn't wouldn't um isn't part of be isn't part of like the Nigerian culture like you can't say that that's what? too generic <laughs> Nigerians are like there's so there's more than 500 subgroups in Nigeria this is true yeah so okay. what culture in Nigeria specifically are okay, you referring so I'll, to? I'll, 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 to make it um she's gonna be on my case like this <laughs> but I'll make it more specific to with the Igbo culture you like you know um, is it is part of that culture not to? Uh... Oh, by the way, I don't know specifically Ibo culture. I know a lot about Ibo culture, but mainly, it's mainly Query, which is in Port Harcourt in Rio oh, yeah. State. Oh yeah, sure. That's where I grew up, Port Harcourt. Mm. Yeah, but what I was good. Yeah, so like, isn't part of that culture this um, idea that you have to be really strict about everything like a lot of things like you know the relationship for example between the husband and the wife is so conscripted like i don't know where people get this idea from that um women are oppressed in the household 
um, in relation to relationships. Nollywood. Uh, <laughs> that's a well to be honest um i don't know i grew up here so i haven't necessarily witnessed that kind of submissive kind of relationship between um a husband and a wife although i do know that it does exist and i do know that women put um everyone else in the household's needs before hers and a lot of Ibo fam families um it's mainly matriarchal which means the woman takes hold really? of the household, yes. She's the breadwinner. I would have expected And she it to also be is the homemaker. So, and that is something that is a taboo and it, it really is an upcoming trend that women, not even only in Ibo, but across different cultures, women are carrying their families on their back. They are going out and providing for the family. They're the breadwinners and they're also the homemakers. And I think that's, that I don't even think that's even down to culture. I think it's even down to society. But that's something that needs to be discussed. Like a lot of my friends, if you ask them, you know, who in the house earns the most money, it's usually their mothers. That is really strange because, um, what like a lot of I think a lot of these things they're like like Omama said they're stereotypes. Like obviously I get a lot of my stereotypes from Nollywood, <laughs> but. Mm -mm -mm. Um, so I, I did I read this book a few years ago while I was at uni. Um, it's by Buchia Mecheta. She's an yeah, Igbo yeah. writer. Yeah, Are you familiar with her? She's amazing. Yeah. Are you familiar with Second Class Citizen? No, I haven't read it. So basically, Second Class Citizen. What the what basically the summary of the book is a Nigerian um, Igbo lady gets married, um, moves to England with yeah. her husband in yeah. the sixties, I think. Yeah. And it just tries to describe how difficult her life in that period was be between dealing with racism, dealing with, like, traditional boundaries, like, self by, like... For you mean um, issues of trying to integrate? Not even, yeah, like, trying to integrate, but the m main thing with traditional boundaries there is the husband... Yeah. Um, like, when she, before she leaves Nigeria, she's yeah. given a lot of advice okay. about, like, how she should take care of the husband, treat him like a king... Remember that the husband is this, the husband yes, is that. Yes. And but the funny thing is in the book she's the one with the job. Yes, exactly. She does all the work. Yeah. But when she comes home and so she was chasing a writing career as yeah. the the character in the book is chasing a writing career. Yeah. One and when eventually her husband gets too jealous mm -hmm. and so he burns all her scripts, mm -hmm. like right before she's about to publish them. Yeah. He beats her up a few times. Yeah. But he earns he doesn't even have a job. Okay. Like so in when like we have African writers like that who when they write about situations like that that's where I kind of get my whole idea that there is this like within that culture there's this idea of there's this history of oppression for women okay yes like so how so you know based on what you said like the women are the breadwinners how recent would you say this type of phenomena is I don't think it's recent I think it's been an ongoing thing but as you've previously mentioned it's been something that has been a taboo i'm oh, sorry as i previously mentioned it's been a taboo women have been upholding the family for the longest longest time during the biafran war which was which was a civil war in nigeria in the 1960s 1963 4 60 something yeah. <laughs> because nigeria became independent in 1963 or something 1960 and then something happened in 1963 and then a uh, civil war broke out between the Ibos and other um, 
subgroups. But even during that war, the Igbo women had a, a, their own war as well because they, I forgot what it was, I really forgot what it was about, but the, there was an Igbo women's ri um, riots. I think I'll, I need to go and check that up. There was Igbo women's riots. A bad women's riots, sorry, specifically. But um, yeah, they've always been um, matriarchal and I think, I'm not sure, I think usually it's cultural, I would say, I think pride has run through culture in the sense that, you know, the women can be making the most money, but you have to front and pretend that, you know, your husband has a cupboard. He has it covered in, in every situation. Children's school fees, he's got it covered. Household bills, he's got it covered. You know, assets, he's got it covered when a lot of the time it is actually the woman. So I think culture has helped push that narrative forward. But I think now with the way society is, with the likes of writers, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, who's always like narrating like what happens in a Nigerian household, you know, just given a little microcosm in her short stories that she writes of what happens in the household so i think society is definitely shifting from the idea that you know men have to do it men go out there and do it all and actually exposing what truly happens which i think is very important that's that's interesting that you um you mentioned that shift because like so for the, it brings me to my next um my next uh, point which is there is this belief, like, well, personally, I, based on some reading I've done, there's this, like, idea that westernization of Africa in a lot of ways fucked up the cultures, like, really confused. Westernization. So, for example, I'll use colonization. the... Colonization. Colonization. Okay. Not westernization, yeah. yeah. Colonization. So, um, I'll use the specific example in, in Chinua Achebe's Things Fall Apart. Yes. If, guys, if you haven't read this book, seriously, it's 160 pages. What are you waiting for? Uh -uh. <laughs> but yeah, in Things Fall Apart, um, the man is like, he... In a, the wives, they do a lot of work, yeah. right? They work very hard, but the men also work extremely hard. But yes. The men are seen as the head of the house. Yeah. But the women surrender this... Um, they surrender this power to the men yeah. very willingly. Yes. When Christianity comes along, yeah. um, when the colonizers come, uh, in the Bible, there's a lot of advice about how men and women should relate. So, for example, like in the Bible, women are told in certain parts to submit to their, to, to submit to their husbands, yes. right? Do you feel like these type of ideas coming from outside void, like coming from an outside place, influence the culture in like in Nigeria for example? Um, I'm not too sure I'm qualified enough to discuss it because I'm not really sure like how exactly based on my knowledge and stories that I've been told you know but the stories that I've been told have been pretty subjective so who knows maybe objectively if a woman were completely submissive but at the same time, how, how would I, how would I put this? Um, so like for instance, they were submissive, yeah. but at the same time, like throughout time, the whole like take care of your husband narrative has been pushed through. Like you have to do this in order for your husband to be happy, or you have to do this for your husband to be happy. To the fact that even till today. 
I still hear some things like when I was younger, for example, and you know, um, my uncles would come around, or my dad, for example, was eating, I'd have to take a bowl of what's it called water to go and wash hand, yeah, and then also go and meet him with um, a toothpick or you know, um, what do you want to call it, um, a cloth, a dishcloth to dry his hand. And that was something that my mum would say, like, you know, you're going to have to do this for your husband one day. Same with learning how to cook. You're going to have to do this for your husband one day. It was never about, oh, you know, you need to do this so you can survive. You need to learn how to cook so you can survive. Which, although I understand where my mum is coming from, because, you know, that's been passed on to her, where I've grown up here in society here, in my mind, I'm not thinking I'm doing this for my husband. Who told you I wanted to get married? <laughs> Who told you I wanted to have kids? Do you know what I mean? Like, the assumption is always there that, you know, in an African household, the girl always wants to get married. What if she's a lesbian? What if she's androgynous? Okay, so um, this is the first and probably the last time my mama will be on. <laughs> she'll probably, when, when her family members hear this. Oh, no, comments. it's not that deep. <laughs> it's not that deep at all. My mum's not, she's not conservative. Like, there isn't, okay, so. What's happening? Okay, it's fine. So, like, we've spoken about culture a bit. Let's get into uh, um, it's religion and culture holding society back, right? Mm. So, how do you feel? Like, you know, I'm sure you have some examples off the top of your head of how you feel religion, for example, yeah. has held society back. Like, you know, can you elaborate. Um, religion has held society back in so so many different ways um i understand i understand the role of religion you know i've read a lot that people used abrahamic religions in order to you know um like suppress people in africa which makes sense that the missionaries have come over and you know use religion as a tool to suppress them to stifle their growth, which, you know, if you look at Nigeria now, because guys, I'm Nigerian, so that's the only example I can currently give. But um, if you look at um, how much progress they've made since religion has come into the country, there has been minimal progress. People use religion as a form of extortion. People use religion to justify the most heinous acts so i don't i personally feel like as i've said countlessly that when it comes to religion and all these things you can't just you know be spoon spoon fed there are some things that you genuinely have to question like not everything is 100 percent right sort of thing so in terms of nigeria now you know you have so many mega churches taking people's money recently the argument has been around tithing and whether people or not should tithe 10% or not. But nowhere in the Bible does it say that they should tithe 10%. Uh, for those who don't know, you atheists out there, uh, tithing is basically when uh, religious people willingly give their money to God. To the church. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to, church. to the they church. They believe they're giving it to God. They believe they're giving it to God. So, you know, the poorest man can go to church and the pastor will say, you know, sow your seed of... Sow your seed of um, 5,000 naira, that could be the five, the last 5,000 naira he will have for the week, but he was still so thinking that, you know, God is going to come down. I'm not saying that God is, God is not going to help him or God is not going to bless him in any way, but, you know, that's his last 5,000 
Naira that he will have yeah. for him and his family and he's giving it to the church. How does that benefit him? Do you know? So also, I also read a case of, you know, a woman who went into labour and she was losing a lot of blood and, you know, she needed blood and her closest match was her husband. But they were Jehovah Witness. Oh, no. So he said he wasn't donating any blood to her. As in, all everyone in the hospital was begging him, saying that, you know, she's going to die if you don't give her this blood. The unborn baby died. And she also died too. So, you know, I don't feel like religion should have, should have to hold you back. In terms of, you know, your wife is dying. Morally, you're watching your wife die. But because of your religion, you know... I'm not giving her my blood. You're gonna watch your wife die because of your religion. Yeah, because uh, because at that point it goes from like it feels like common sense is not allowed in those instances. Like, but then I don't even feel like that's common sense because if that's somebody that you love, you're willing to do anything for this person. Put your religion aside. Put your common sense and morality aside. You know, your wife is dying. Your unborn child is dying. And in the name of religion, you're not giving blood. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Like, that's, it, it's, it's ignorance is a very high level of ignorance. But I don't think that's ignorance. Why? Because it's their religion. Yeah, but the religion is ignorant. But that, that, that's not for you to say. You can, you can look, okay, you can. You can look into their religion and say, you know, it's ignorant. But at the same time, you might be a Christian or you might be a Muslim and there are some things that you believe in that someone outside will say is ignorant. For example... The idea of gay being evil is, to me, is very ignorant. I don't understand why or how gay people are disturbing, you know, your practice, your religion. And I don't see why you should spew hate against people that are, you know, different from you in terms of sexuality. You're not having sex with them. So why is, why is it bothering you to the point you have to use your religion to now come and chastise them? I feel like the message in religion has been lost. I feel like in most religions, most of the messages, if you read the Bible, if you read the Quran, have been about love a lot of the time. And you don't see any of that. You see it being used as a weapon. So I feel like it is definitely it's definitely stifling society. You look at what's happening in the north of Nigeria now with you know the arguments about whether men should marry girls as young as eight years old and who why the hell she had to put you know an eight-year-old hasn't even gone through puberty why on earth are you thinking to marry an eight-year-old is that really religion does you know the muslim religion teach does islam teach that you should marry an eight-year-old people are using religion as a tool but the thing is like in in those instances though like i'm not defending them at all of course Mm -hmm. but in a lot of like with religion, what I what you usually find is like the practices these people do. They were okay in a certain period of time in the world. There was a time like so. For example, it wasn't. There was a time period in the world in England, for example, where it was okay to marry your cousin. Yes, it the same a, way it was okay to be gay. Yeah, there was a time period where it was okay to marry somebody on the need, under the age of, like, so, marry somebody at eight years old, right? Where? So, for example, in the Bible, in the, there's actually parts of the, I can't tell you a specific one right now, but there are parts in the Bible where it's like somebody who get married to like a twelve year old. But the Bible is flawed. Yes, but the, the, the but the, the problem is people 
I know a lot of times people don't know how to separate the Bible's what the Bible says from like their way of thinking. That's a big problem. That's it's why I keep problem. saying yeah. that people have to think for themselves. There are some mm-hmm. things you'll hear in the Bible, for example, the way, like King David, for example, and King Solomon are my favourite kings in the Bible. They were also my favourite books in the Bible, but they were very, very problematic in the way they treated women. They treated women like rubbish. Who killed Bathsheba? David. Exactly. Why? I can't remember, actually. Because I've forgotten, I've forgotten the story. I think someone cheated on Bathsheba, cheated on someone, on her husband, with King David. Oh yeah, like I remember that, that, exactly. that stop story. You know, they, te- they treated women like absolute rubbish. So I think that it's very important. I'm not saying that you should pick and choose, but I think that it's important that when you choose a religion, that you, you're able to think thoroughly and look at certain things and whether it resonates with your morality or not. My morality is separate to my religion. Although my religion, I wouldn't even say I have a religion, but um, my religion and the way I've grown up has definitely influenced the way in which I think. There's certain things I've had to unthink. Like, if you had asked me a few years ago about, you know, people coming out as gay, I'd absolutely tell you that they're going to hell, they're going to burn, they're going to die, they're going to perish, they're going to have AIDS and stuff like that. But that's very, very ignorant. So, I think people need to start looking at the way they look at things and why they look at things like that. It's on silent now, yeah. So whoever that is, is, is we'll probably be talking. Like, it, like what? Um, based on what you were saying, like just now, like uh, one of the. I feel like coming to England. Yeah. One of the the funniest one of the funniest things has been just having a consistent. 10, 9 to 8 to 9 years of trying to unlearn a lot of things. Yeah. Like trying to unlearn, unlearn a lot of things. Yeah. Hey guys, um, basically Joshua, uh, you guys don't know Josh, but Josh just walked into the room. Say hi, Josh. Hi. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're going to do a podcast episode with him in a bit. Um, tune in for that one. But yeah, so as we were saying, um, is literally, so for example, like you said with the gay thing, when I first came here, I was 100% convinced. I didn't, I didn't actually know why. Like, the way I used to think about it was like, oh, that's disgusting, they're going to hell. But why is it disgusting? Exactly, it was like, no, oh... Well, why they, is it disgusting? Because in... So, for, okay, I'll, I'll tell you a very sad story. Not very sad, but it's very sad. I'll is tell this, you, is, does this influence your why? Yes. Okay. So when I was in boarding school... Yes. I went to um, boarding school in Nigeria for three years. While I was in boarding school, it was like jungle justice. It was fucked up, but anyway... There were people who would do really bad things. Like me, for example, I used to be crazy. So I used to do... I, mean, I still am. But I used to do a lot of dumb shit. Yeah. I would get in a lot of trouble. Yeah. But there was this one time, this kid, uh, yeah. some students accused him of touching them on the legs. Mm-hmm. And he used to have like a, what you would consider like a camp walk. It was a camp walk. A camp, like, a camp walk is like... What, how you would index uh, when you see a, a person that you want to classify stereo, you want to stereotype as gay okay so my question here is how did who came up with the camp walk 
Oh, and how do you identify can't walk? Because there are gay men that walk like normal men. Yeah, well, this is, yeah, you're right. I um I can't identify. Obviously, then I was thirteen as well, so I didn't actually care. Exactly. I so just it's had been the, drilled in you from a young age. It was drilled in me. Yeah. Pause. But uh, but the thing, the, the, basically, what had happened was, this kid had been accused by like three people yeah. that oh, when they were asleep, he had touched them on the leg or something. I don't know if the kid is gay. Yeah. But at the time. I I had done another stupid thing at the similar time, which meant I was in trouble as well. Mm-hmm. That kid got punished so hard. Mm-hmm. He got beaten so much mm-hmm. by the principal, by other part. Like he was basically ostracized from a lot of parts of the school by like yeah. teachers and students, literally because there was this accusation that he might be gay. Yeah. And so, as you can imagine, for a kid my age, I'm already so fucked up in my head. I'm like, there's no way I'm adding this to my list. Mm-hmm. I'm not adding support of gay people to my list of fuck-ups. Yeah, but that's out of fear. It was out of big fear. But yeah. over time, it got internalized to the extent when I, like, when I would think of a gay... Even looking at a man for too long, even thinking a man is a beautiful man, yeah. I would be like, yo, shit, that's gay, that's gay, that's gay, you're going to hell. And it's, you know, and literally it's 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 messed up because but is that religion or culture that's really that's i think that's a mixture mixture i think it's you know so let's talk about this like when they intersect it gets even more fucked up doesn't it like when religion and culture intersect in the the wrong way not all the time so do you have an example of like what what is in the wrong way in the wrong way in the sense that your culture the culture is already quite extreme in certain ways like for example, if a culture naturally is very misogynistic, yes, and it mixes in with religion, yes, it will get way more misogynistic. No, but as I said mm. earlier on, cultures are fundamentally based off of religion or beliefs. But you borrow people's beliefs, right? So, for example, the Nigeria was in two thousand and seven. There was a statistic that said Nigeria is the most religious country in the whole world. Yes, and also. Uh, recently, statistics came out that Nigerians are watching gay porn. They're the third highest in the whole world. You see. So how, how hypocritical <laughs> is that? Do you know how hypocritical that is? A country that, you know, it is illegal, you'd be sentenced to 14 years in prison for if you're found out to be a homosexual. Watch gay porn the most. So, so what's going on there? Like, it's, it's, and you know the thing, the sad thing about these things is people really lie to themselves. Like about everything. But that's what I'm saying. What causes them to suppress, you know, who they are is what is the culture. culture. Yeah. Yeah. Like if the culture is, um, so if yeah, so in that instance, for example, in that example um, that you said about the gay porn, uh, I have an example which is there's this there's this Nigerian entertainer. I call him an entertainer because I don't know actually mm. what he does. His name is Bob Risky. Oh yeah, I knew you were gonna say him. He's gay. Yes. Um, no, we don't know that. <laughs> okay, based on my <laughs> stereotypes, I, based on the stereotypes I know, he seems gay. Okay. He has claimed in a lot of situations yeah. that he has slept with a lot of very famous big politicians. Exactly. And I believe him. I 100% believe I him. I believe him. But at the same time, these same politicians yeah. will be the same people to come on stage and advise the whole country. Yes, with their wife and their multiple kids. And they will hold... The, those are the, have you noticed those are the people who hold their wife's hands, this, this, the, the titles? I, know, I, I personally don't know who in the Nigerian Senate is gay. But I do know that a lot of people are hypocritical in, in the fact, in the terms that someone like Bobisky can't come out from nowhere 
and have a mansion, be flying to London, be flying to America, and somebody isn't sponsoring him. And he has no job. Now, we don't know whether it's a man or a woman. Or is it man? <laughs> we, don't know, we don't know whether it is, but you know. But um, I definitely do not doubt the fact that there are some, not only politicians, but just people in general in Nigeria who are definitely hiding. And I don't blame them. Yeah, because they'll be killed. I don't blame them. But then there are, there is, I was listening to um, a podcast the other day actually called um, Loose Talk. Was it Loose Talk? 